And so we're honored to, to be here today. But I want to talk to you today about making room for God. And this is something that, that in the process and, and from what I've discovered is discipleship is a process. It's a long process. Receiving Jesus, you know, that's an instant deal. And, and, and we position ourselves to, to, you know, take steps and we know we're going to heaven. But discipleship, there's never a journey. You know, I got saved as a kid and, and got fired up for God when I was 17 and went right into ministry thinking, man, I've made it. I've, I've arrived. And, you know, I look back over that time and it's getting cl- pressing in on close to 30 years ago. And, and, I, and I look back and think, man, I still don't know anything. And this process isn't about knowing it all. This process is about a constant. Discipleship is this. It's a constant reliance on the spirit of God and relying on Jesus for the rest of our life. And he has all the answers. So there's never a moment. There are moments that, that, that I think wisdom comes and you get to, to different levels where you figure certain things out. But God's always positioning you uh, in, a, in, in life where you're always going to need him. There's never going to come a moment where we don't need him. And so in order to, to step into that, how do we make room for God in, in our lives? And so I've been on this search and, and about the time I think I got it figured out, you know, I have things rise up in me. I, I was talking to my wife earlier and my, and my son yesterday who, you know, he, uh, I have a side business and, and, and my son and I work together and sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes we get into it and have real life conversations. But, you know, he was telling me yesterday, he's like, it, it's funny how you can pastor a church and never show that side or you can have your friends and never show that side. But sometimes that anger will arise or those real issues arise with the people that are closest to you. And so I don't run from that. I want to embrace that this morning that we, we don't have it all together. We think we do, but we don't have it all together. Even those that pretend, how many of you know, there's no trophies handed out at the end of the year for us that have it all together. It just doesn't happen. And so we have to embrace the journey of, of what life is, and it's called living. And as you live uh, the abundant life Jesus came to give you, you know, you read the scripture, it's full of trials and, and these things. And so one thing that we, we have to embrace, the scripture says in John 14, he says, Jesus says this, you can go back and read, read the context leading into this, but he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, I'm the pathway to life, and I'm going to get into something in a minute that I think will help you, uh, and, and I'm also the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and I'm the life, uh, uh, you know, for, for everyone who will call upon his name. Well, you know, the way is the pathway, but the truth, if you study that out, it's very powerful. Uh, it, it, you know, it comes from, from uh, if you study out the root word, it literally means unforgetting. He says, I'm, I'm the way, I'm the unforgetting, and I'm the life. And there's a big difference between saying, hey, I, I will always remember, and there's, another, uh, there's a big difference to say, I'm unforgetting, I'll never forget. There's times my wife sends me to the grocery store and says, it gives me a list, and I'm like, I got it, I got this thing, it's fine. And so I'll come home, she's like, did you get this? Yep. Did you get this? Yes. Did you get this? I forgot. And so Jesus says, not only do I remember my promises, not only do I remember my covenant, he says, but I'm unforgetting. In other words, it never leaves my heart. It never leaves my mind. And and, and the value that you have in your life, because Jesus lives on the inside of you, listen to me, he's always working on our behalf. And even when you can't see it, God's always doing something. And he's always stirring things. And so what happens is this, we know that up front. We know that God is unforgetting. And if you don't know, now you know. It reminds me of a rap song years ago. Uh, but, but if you don't know, now you know. He's, never, he's unforgetting. He's never going to forget his promises. 
And so I hold on to that. And even in the midst of the clutter, I may forget. You may forget, but he doesn't forget. A few weeks ago, I was, you know, dealing with it. We're in a big transition. All of us are as the Life Church was starting campuses in Abilene and what's going on here. And, you know, we, we've been with Pastor Walt long enough to know that you're on a journey. You're, you're, you're on a ride, in other words. And so there's a part of that that's exciting. There's another part of that that's stressful. And, and, and we don't always know what the end looks like from the beginning, but we step out into it and we walk it out by faith. And so, I, you know, I was kind of struggling with just, just some of the realities of, of, of what this looks like because I'm the kind of guy, I want a clear path. I want clarity and I want to reach a result. That's just how I'm built. Now, in my life, very few times does that ever make sense. Since I left, quit playing sports years ago, uh, you know, I realized, hey, real life doesn't work that way, but, but, but there's a picture of it anyway. And so I, I, I was in the hallway of the church, and this lady that's very dear to us came up, and, gave, and I gave her a hug and just the office day to day. And she said, a little while later, she comes back in and says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, yeah. So she comes in, and she said, there's a dark cloud trying to sit on your head, above your head. And she says, kick it because God's already spoken. And so I took that as God saying, hey, I haven't forgot. And so in the process, and so immediately I kicked it. And when I did this piece set up on me uh, in the process where I just, it's like it opened up a clear picture to remember that even though I forget, he never forgets. You know, Judas forgot. Sometimes Peter forgot. You know, Andrew forgot. You can, you can study the word. Jonah forgot. And you, you can go through every, every scripture of even those that achieved great, great faith. David forgot. I mean, there was just, there's times we forget, but he never forgets. He's unforgetting. And so how do we remove the clutter? How do we make room for God and remove the clutter of our minds, the insecurities, the desperation, the confusion, the chaos, the, the habits of returning to the past and living in the past. Pastor Lane just talked about that. How do, how do we get to a point where we literally learn that to, to, to make room for God? Because what I've discovered is this, is our hearts don't belong to us. Our hearts weren't created to, to belong to insecurities. Our hearts weren't created to belong to the pains of the past or any of that kind of thing. Our hearts were created for one thing, and that's for Jesus to live in and be treasured. And if Jesus lives in us and we make that our number one priority to say, say, God, I'm guarding this because, because you belong here. And I'm not talking about the physical heart. Come on, I'm talking about the spirit on the inside of you. But when you receive Jesus into your heart, that's, that, that, that's, it's not meant for any other option. And so a lot of times what happens is we receive Jesus into our hearts and we know he's the way. We know he's the unforgetting. We know that he's the lie. But, but there's times where we are also inviting in other things, other pains, other insecurities, other habits, other things that we don't want to do. You know, there, there, there's so many things I could go, go into that in this. But when I receive Jesus into my heart and I guard him as this treasure belongs to Jesus, and I'll talk about that more in a minute, then what happens is I start to eliminate the options that don't belong in my heart. So when something outside of that tries to come in, um, then I, I, it, it, you immediately recognize that don't belong here. And so God is first. But listen, when you treasure here, and a lot of people think, well, if I give Jesus my heart, how am I going to give my heart to my boss or to my wife or to my kids? Uh, and the reality is without Jesus, you're never going to be able to give your heart and your life to your family or to your business or any of those kind of things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, the scripture says. And so in that process of, of remembering the, the, the process of, of how to remove the clutter, you know, think of it this way, and I'm, I'm jumping way ahead of myself, but that's okay. 
Um, think of it this way. Your heart is, it, it, there's a value on, in your heart. Your heart is valuable to God. And it's almost like thinking of it this way. Your heart is a five-star hotel for Jesus. It's not the leftover. It's not the shack around the corner. Every one of you had a value that he gave, your, gave his life for. Think about that. So your heart, I don't care what you've been through, what you've gone through. He thought, God thought enough about it to send his own son. And now because of that, listen, your heart is now a five-star hotel to Jesus. And, you may, and so we got to view it that way. Anybody with me here this morning? Come on. And, and if not, I'm going to have my wife start singing here in a minute. And, then, and so, so in the process, we've got to make room for that. We've got to start viewing our life with that kind of value. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching in San Angelo, and, and, and I gave an illustration. Pastor Walt sitting on the front row, and we were talking about, I was, I was talking about the heart and talking about moving forward, but I made the statement, I, tell you, I told this to the staff, that my number one as a pastor working for Pastor Walt, I don't get up in the morning and say, I hope I please Pastor Walt today. And I don't, I don't get up and say, hey, I hope my number one priority is that my wife doesn't get angry with me today. Because it's an off-balance way to live. First thing we do is get up and say, God, I thank you that you, you're the king of my heart. And I treasure you as the king of my heart. And because of that, now I can be loved that you've called me to be because I've been loved. Now I can be generous like you've called me to be because I've received your generosity. Now I can, now I can extend wisdom to others because you've given me your wisdom. Do you understand what I'm saying in that? We make room for God by, not, by acknowledging. And what happens in, 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 in you know, living life out in, in, in just the, the worldly way is we're always trying to impress people that are probably never going to be impressed to begin with. Or always, we're always trying to, to get the attention of someone else. And, and, and I've said in, you know, in the last month, I've said in, in, in or my wife and I, we've sat in these uh, several meetings just talking to couples who are trying to get it right. And so, you know, but they don't want to deal with the issue, so to speak. They don't want to listen. They, they, wanna, they, wanna, they just want somebody to, to vent to more than anything. So I'll ask them, do you even want to be married? Do you want to be married? And then they always say, yeah, we want to be married. I'm like, well, you're focused on the wrong things. You can't love until you've been loved. And if you're not, you're not focused on that love, then how are we going to extend love to others? How can I love my wife when I don't even love Jesus? And if I'm not making room for him, because any, whoever, whatever we love in life, we, we make a priority for whether it's, whether it's things, whether it's people, whether it's hobbies, we make room for the things we love. And so in that, I'm challenging you this morning in that. So as we make room, knowing that he never forgets, and he even loves us when we forget, and as we make room in that, uh, uh, for God, listen to me, things are going to get better. And you're still going to go through, through highs and lows and those kind of things. But when you value Jesus as your number one treasure then everything else, he said, all these other things will be added to you. The thoughts you need, the wisdom you need, the people you need, the money you need for, for what's, what's happening in your life. And so sometimes we're just filled with, with, with these thoughts of clutter. The, the scripture says in Ephesians, he says, finally, my brother, in Ephesians 6.10, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This, this isn't a scripture that I, that I preach a lot, but, but here recently I, I got to thinking about that. We, we, we many times we guard in the wrong things. And, and if, as we open our hearts and realize that, that if God is unforgetting and, and he never forgets his promises, even, even when you got to get on the roof as a pastor on a Sunday morning, and, and God still hasn't forgotten his promises. He never forgets his promises. Look at your neighbor and say, he never forgets his promises. 
And in that process, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I did a study, study on this, this recently, but that word wiles comes from the word methodos, uh, meta, and then odos. Pastor Bonet could break this down a lot better than I can, but, but, it, but it, it literally means, it means the word meta means with. And, and, and so it means it, in the word uh, odos there, it means on a road or it means a road. In other words, with a road. And so the wiles of the devil, it's, it's, he's, how many of you know, he doesn't just show up with a cape and a big pitchfork and say, hey, I'm here to pester you. No, he comes through, through certain ways and, he, and he's on a certain road. But the thing is about the enemy is this. Most people give him way more credit than he, need, than he deserves because God is, God is unforgetting. He, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. And then over here we have an enemy who just won't give up, but he's only on a certain road, Right. He's, he uses, he's with the road and his road is to clutter your mind and to clutter your life with all these side distractions so that you start receiving those things into your heart. And then you, and then, and all of a sudden we look up and we're not making as much room for Jesus. And oh, now, now my problems, my debt, my pain, my arguments, my frustrations, my angers, all these things, my fears, and all these things are coming at us in all these ways because that's the only road that the enemy knows. He, he operates with a road, say with a road. And so in that process, uh, it, it says here that, that our job is to be strong in the Lord and to put on the full armor of God that, we'll make, that we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word devil is a simple word, uh, and, 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 and it comes from, it means um, diabolos. In other words, die, it means a cross. The word abolos means, it means to throw. And so it's where they get the, the Spanish word uh, diablo and, and diabolical. You can, you, you can go through all this process, but it literally means a cross and to throw. In other words, the enemy's on a road and his job is literally to throw your mistakes, your past, your fears, your insecurities, and he's constantly throwing them across your face. And it never stops. And so we think if, when we receive Jesus many times, hey, God, I feel this peace. I feel this joy. So all these things that have been thrown across me all those years, they're never going to come again. No, they're going to continue to come. Come on, you just get better at beating it. You, you have a power in you through Jesus that's bigger than that. And so literally it means to throw a cross. And so I brought these balls with me today and I, so I could throw them at Pastor Lane and Pastor Bonet. But, but in the process, he never stops. And so you know, have you ever noticed that no matter how high you live, you still, the enemy still always will tempt you with the same things he's always tempted you with. And then, because it, it never stops. And so he's just constantly throwing them. He's constantly just throwing them. And you're, you wake up in the morning saying, God, today I give you my heart. I give you my life. It's going to be an outstanding day. And, and all of a sudden there's that thing just being thrown across you all the time. And it never stops. And then we think, hey, when's this going to stop? And, and, and we keep walking through the process. He didn't say it was going to stop. He said, be strong in the Lord so that you may be able to stand against the things that are constantly thrown against you. And it just, it just constantly happens. I mean, you know, I'm a pastor. Come on and, and get to hang out with Pastor Walton, Pastor Lane, Pastor Bonet, and all these people. And, and you think, boy, this is good. I remember I used to travel the world with Dr. Carmen thinking, man, I have made it. The enemy doesn't going to mess with me anymore. My wife's never going to be mad at me again. Come on. My kids are going to be, be great. They're going to get rich and help me retire and everything's going to be good. And all of a sudden there's that thing throwing. There's just never stops. Because that's his job. That's his only job is to be on this road to bring clutter to your mind. And so he tries to talk you out of what God is doing. But the thing is, if Jesus lives on the inside of you and God has already spoken and he never forgets, 
He never forgets. Sometimes we just receive communion. As often as you do this, remember. What are we remembering? That he never forgets. That he shed his blood. That he gave his life. And so, so, so the enemy's on this road, but we're on a different road. And he may throw things across you, and he may throw it for the, you know, the rest of your life. And you know, I remember being a kid you know, serving God and, and, and going to church, and, and they used to say, boy, if you're going through something, just say, in the name of Jesus. And I wish it was as simple as that. Like I say, in the name of Jesus, and I'm never going to have another ball thrown across my face. I'm never going to take another, another enemy attack. Come on. But the truth is, that's, that's his road. And if, you under, if we understand that, then we know. So when, you know, you ever, you ever wake up and think things are going good and then things just fall apart and you're like, how did this happen? You know, 10 minutes ago, come on, I was shouting in my car, listening to the radio, how good God is. The next thing you know, I'm fighting with my neighbor. Come on. And it's because the enemy doesn't stop throwing the ball because he, he wants to take your confidence. He wants to steal your joy. He wants, to, he wants to, to kill unity because if he can kill unity and get people messed up, then, then, then he'll kill the flow of blessing that God has been, for us because a house divided can't stand. And so it, that clutter is, is the, it's the enemy's job. It's his, own, it's his only role. And I'm not here to give glory to that, but I am telling you how to beat it today. But he tells us, put on the full armor of God. That's where faith comes in. That's where hope comes in. That's where power comes in. Put on, the, put on the armor of God so that we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so God, God uh, the enemy wants to challenge God's word. He wants to challenge your confidence. So just get it in your head today. It's never, that, that aspect may never stop. Come on, but the victories get bigger. You know, I think about David when in, in, in a scripture where they were off fighting a battle in Ziklag. And, and all of a sudden, you know, when they were gone, they were at war. Their, their families were attacked and they stole all their money. They stole, you know, took their wives and children, held them captive. I mean, they, they, they lit fire to their belongings and their houses. And so they come back from battle and their, their wives are taken, their, their children are taken. And they're, and they're in this path in the midst of destruction. And all these other people are thinking, and, and they start throwing that ball. They start working with the enemy and throwing the ball, thinking we're following David in this process, but yet everything we have has been stolen from us. Scripture said that, that they, thought they even, they even were, were making statements of killing him. This is a guy they were following, but the moment things went bad, come on, we just want to kill him. Aren't you glad that we ain't living in those times today? That when the internet went down, nobody talked about killing Pastor Lane this morning. And so in the, in the process of life, they, they're all whining. The, they were tearing their clothes. They're, they're distraught. They're hurting. The pain is real. And the Scripture says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he went straight to God and he said, shall I pursue and shall I overcome? And God said, you shall pursue and you shall overcome. And David, he meant, how did he remove the clutter in that moment? Come on. He went to the source, his heavenly father for strength. Why? Because he never forgets. He's unforgetting. And the same is for you and I this week when you're out, you know, out in, in traffic and, or, or you're, you know, you're upset with your boss or your, your, your family, or your wife, kids, whatever. You know, just remember, hey, sometimes we just got to stop and say, Say to us, our strength, or strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We got to stand strong by keeping the armor of God. Come on, on the inside of us, because He never forgets. Look, somebody say He never forgets. And you can keep those balls, by the way. Those are for you. And so, number one, we got to remove the clutter. You know, I was, I was, I was reading a thing earlier this week, and, and it said that we have, as humans, we have between 12, I think twelve thousand and sixty thousand thoughts a day. 
somewhere in that range, which blows my mind, the math of that. I figure the 12,000 is the guys and the 60,000 would be the females. <laughs> and in that process, but it says that in all those thoughts, it says 45% of those thoughts are, are negative and, and, and are based, and many of them are based upon repetitive habits that we do day after day after day after day. And, and so we have to understand that the, that the battle we're fighting, not only is that road with the enemy, but the, and the clutter in that is most of the time in our minds. That's why Roman tells us to conform, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and so in that process uh, of, of cluttered thinking, how many decisions have we made in relationships? How many decisions have we made in money? How many decisions have we made uh, with our kids and our families that were based upon some kind of negative thought or negative influence that's happened to us at some point in life? And, and that clutter creates, listen, it instantly wants to take, it wants to take the room that Jesus was meant to live in. Again, you're valuable to God, and there's a five-star five hotel right here. Come on. You're a five-star hotel for Jesus. And that treasure that lives on the, that treasure, uh, as you guard that, and, and the scripture says in Proverbs, it teaches us, it says to, to guard, our, guard our hearts above all things, because it's the wellspring of life. Above all, it says, guard your heart. He didn't say above some things. He didn't say above your business. He didn't say above your friend. He said above, he said above all. He didn't say just when times were good. He said, he said, guard your heart for out of it, come on, is the wellsprings of life. So again, I can love because I've been loved. I can forgive because I've been forgiven. I can give because I've received the greatest gift there is. Are you with me here this morning? And, and because of that, and so if I wake up in the morning and say, I'll love my wife if she loves me. Or I'll be, I'm going to love Pastor Lane if he loves me, but the moment he shows that he doesn't love me, I'm not going to love him anymore. That's not love. That's conditional. Come on. The, if, and so, so the, the basis of, of that we operate in, uncluttering our minds and making room to treasure Jesus, uh, it's to get into a position that says, I'm not loving, expecting anything else in return. I'm giving because God's a giver. I'm generous because God is generous. I'm loving because God loves and so that doesn't mean we never get upset. That doesn't mean we don't do a deal. Remember that ball still, still rolling. Come on, the enemy's on that road with the road. It's his only road. But for the rest of our lives, he's going to mess with us in that capacity. But if I can receive uh, the mindset that I've already choosing to forgive because I've been forgiven, think about how many how many things in your life that would just just make make room for other things. If we weren't thinking about those same old negative routines and habits, am I talking to anybody here today? Uh, and, and, and I, and I like to be real with that, you know, and even I was in a conversation with, with a guy last week and I just said, I said, forget about all your psychological stuff. Come on to manipulate your wife. I said, I can't give you as a pastor. Is this okay? As a pastor, I said, I'm not going to give you a scripture so that you can manipulate your wife into the thing you want her to do. I said, if you want scripture, it's to bring life to the wholeness of your marriage. Cause as a husband, come on. Our job is to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And, and so in that process, I said, so you, you've got to decide in this moment, are you going to be a man of love or you're not going to be a man of love? And so in that, in that and, and as men, I think sometimes we struggle with that because we think love is tough love. You know, everything's tough love. Listen, love is, love is patient. Love is kind. Love gives. And I'm not saying there's never a time to have a direct conversation. I was having one. But I told this, this guy, I said, you've studied all this stuff, divorcebusters.com and all, all these things that are out there, the, the psychological stuff to try to, get, try to win the game. 
But, but life is not about just winning. Come on, life is about loving. And when you love, it, it shines the light of Jesus on, on, onto a whole new capacity. And so, I, I, you know, and I, and I made these statements pretty straightforward. I just said, if you'll learn to be a man of love, that don't mean perfection. That just means if you'll love because you've been loved, not loved expecting someone to love you back. And when they don't, I don't love you anymore. That's not love. And, 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 and you operate like that, I said, all of a sudden, eventually, you'll start practicing. Eventually, you'll, you'll become that. Even if you get angry, you'll still be a man of love. Even if, even if you get hurt, you can still be a man of love. And, and that's true for all of us in this room today. And so, you know, and so a couple of days later, I got a phone call or a text and said, hey, that impacted me more than anything I've ever had anyone sit down and try to talk to me about when it came to marriage. Just simply that one thing. Can I be a man? Can I love because I've been loved? Faith without works is dead, but also the scripture teaches us that you can have faith and prophecy and all these great statements and you can have beautiful handwriting and write out your beautiful scriptures and or type them out, however you do it. And we could stand on the word and all that. But if we don't have love in our hearts, then, then other things are going to rule our lives. But love opens the door because love, love never kills relationship. It always enhances relationship. And, and as humans, you know, we think many times that if, we're, if we isolate, we get hurt and what happens? We want to isolate ourselves. And then we get isolated and we're not around anybody. So we start thinking, man, man, I get along with everybody. And we're isolated and thinking, I don't have any enemies. And we're isolated and we think, man, there's no, nothing to stir us up. Nobody made me mad today. But unity is not in isolation. Come on. You can hide from the world and call that unity all day long. Unity is created to, to, to learn to flow, come on, with God's people working together as a body. All of you in this room, uh, you need each other. And the reason is, and you just don't need the good sides. Come on, you need the people that are going to rub you the wrong way because it's God's system of developing and getting the things out of you so that he can fill you up with the right things. And if all we, in life, if all we do is hear what we want to hear and all, uh, we feed on just what we want and we never rub elbows, come on, every now and then have a straight up conversation with somebody to be able to develop in, in some things, come on, you can't call it, uni you, you, can, you can be in unity and still have an iron on iron relationship and challenge one another and strengthen one another. But, but if, you just, if we just hide from the world, come on, because we're called to be a light to the world. No, people are God's system to develop us. And so as we all work together in the body of Christ, we make each other better, even when we upset one another, even when we challenge one another. And, and if, it, if it was just about, hey, perfect harmony and peace, then we'd never get anything accomplished because there's never going to be that moment just in here. But there's going to be times when things don't go our way. There's going to be times where, where we're in pain. There's going to be times where we're dealing with things, but we can still, uh, you still need those people in your life because some of those aggravations is just God reminding you, hey, I'm helping you deal with this. And you're like, man, I thought I haven't dealt with this in years. And all of a sudden, boom, it shows back up. It's a, it's a deeper thing. God wants to get some things out of us so that he can fill us up with the right things. But we have to remove the clutter in our minds. And so I was, I was uh, a friend of mine called a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me this story and, and, and how it impacted. So I, I stole the story from him, but I told him I was going to do that. But there was a young man that, that, that you know, when he was a kid, he just had trouble learning. And so he's in, you know, elementary school and, 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 and he was just distracted. He had an inability to learn and he, he, he was distracted and, you know, he just he didn't pass the test, didn't pay attention to the teachers, those kind of things. And, and so 
when he, you know, he went through elementary, junior high, got into high school, his, his mom wanted him to take the SAT test. And so he goes in, takes the SAT test. Like I say, he'd struggled in education his whole life. That didn't do very well and ends up taking this test and he gets the scores back and, and he ends up scoring. He gets it in the mail, opens it up and it's, you know, like 1,500 on his SAT. I mean, it was, a, it was a high score. And he looks at this letter and he's like, man, I'm smart. I'm smart. So he goes to his mom, says, mom, look what I scored on the SAT. She's like, did you cheat? He's like, no, this is my SAT score. And he's like, you know what? I think, man, I don't know what happened, but, but suddenly, you know, I, I'm smarter than I thought I was. And he says, so I'm going to go to college. So he decides to go to community college and, and does pretty well at that. Ends up, decides he wants to get some master's, goes through his master's program and eventually gets a career, becomes, you know, high end in his, in his work performance and working with this company and goes through this whole process. And about 10 years later, he gets a letter in the mail because the SAT, you know, whatever they're called, um, does a, a audit. And so they audit and he gets this letter back 10 years later and it says, We've, we made a mistake on your SAT score. It was like we had 13 other people. You actually scored a 400, but, but blah, 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 blah. And so the thing is, though, in that process is that because he opened his heart to a new thought, he opened his heart to something new, got rid of the clutter, he started believing that he was smart. He started believing that he was educated. And so because of that, he went on to a great career in his life. And so in our life, sometimes to make room, we've got to eliminate the clutter of the things that we think we're not. Because listen to me, sometimes it's in the things that you're not that God will anoint the most. You know, I remember being a kid thinking, I never want to pastor. Come on. And, and I, I, I remember standing and saying, I never want to pastor. Preachers are broke. Come on. And they're, they're fat. And they're, that, that was my thought. And, and, and I remember being 16, 17 years old, and this guy looks at me and says, this kid's going to pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Sometimes it's in the things that we're not good at or we think we wouldn't be good at, come on, that God anoints the most in that process. But until we eliminate the clutter and open up the door, make room for Jesus as our number one treasure and, and treasure that above all, come on, treasure that above all, making room for God in that process, that, 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 that may be the thing that opens up the door to the next thing, you know, and and you can go back and evaluate your own, your own life after this and find the clutter and, 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 and write those things down. I challenge you to guard it above all. When you have a relationship with Jesus, guard it above anything else. And don't for a second, don't, don't curse what God has blessed. Don't curse what God has blessed. We can't call ourselves free on one hand and then talk about how, how messed up, you know, how, how, you know how, how bitter and tired and weary and, and the past and all those things trying to run us at the same time. We lock into this, treasuring. Our number one job is to treasure. It says, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. And in other words, it means to keep. It means to keep it in the safe place. And so as you're guarding your heart in that process, uh, it opens up the door, listen, for everything else. And in that process, God will begin to teach us how to love, how to give, how to, how to, how to get free of all those things. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you may leave here today and say, Pastor, I don't know how to do all that. And, and, and there's not enough time this morning to walk through that. But remember, it's a process. But one thing, when you leave here today and Wednesday comes and Tuesday comes, Thursday comes, when you leave here today, make a decision that I may, I may still battle these things. The enemy may keep throwing those balls at me. But when I get out there in the real world, when I leave this building to go be the light God's called me to be, and I'm out there walking and dealing with people this week, one thing I'm going to hold on to is Jesus is the way the unforgetting, 
and the life. Come on, stand your feet with me this morning. Father, we thank you today that...